This episode of Dirty Napkins has been sponsored by Mama Nature's Juice Bar, where we got the juice for you. Stop by either three locations in the Jackson metro area. We look forward to seeing you. Come get juiced up. So Mississippi in Action was founded in 2009. I was angry. I got tired of getting fired. A lot of people are not talking about this, but criminalization. For centuries, women have made strides to make this world a more equitable place. Our next guest is no different. Her community efforts have been endless, and that's why we're highlighting her during this special series. Valencia Robinson, Executive Director of Mississippi in Action, and where there's injustice, you can find her. The table is set. Now let's get some napkins dirty. Sam Super Burgers, home of the original Big Burger, uh, on the outskirts of Jackson, Mississippi, here in Washington Edition. My name is Phil Stamps II, and I uh, am currently the head of operations for the business, and I am a third-generation stamp. So my grandfather started the business in the 70s. So if you are looking for one of the best burgers you'll ever have, definitely come by and see it at Stamps. Uh, we've been voted best burger in Jackson a few times, actually. Um, historically voted Best Burger in Jackson, and just recently we were voted Best Burger in Mississippi um, which or by Food Insider, which is a, a national publication out of New York City, so uh, definitely feel we can, we can back that up. We're known for our burgers, beef burgers, really good turkey burgers as well for folks who want to go on the lighter side, but uh, we also have really good chicken wings, uh, grilled chicken sandwiches, bologna sandwiches, and one of my favorites, um, our uh, smoked sausage sandwich. And, Obviously, you can't get a burger without the fries. You make a really good um, fresh cut potato fry with a uh, special house seasoning as well. Come by and check us out. We're on Instagram at Stamps Super Burgers. You can uh, find us on Twitter as well at Stamps underscore burgers. And uh, make sure you bring your appetite because it's going to definitely be one of the best, one of the biggest burgers you've ever had as well. Valencia, thank you for joining us here at Dirty Napkin. Thank you for having me. Well, how are you? I'm nervous, but I'm okay. <laughs> well, guess what? This is going to be very easy for you because we're talking about things that you are very, very passionate about, including Mississippi in action. So tell us um, more about it because I hear that you actually started this out of anger. Yes. So Mississippi in Action was founded in 2009. I was angry. I got tired of getting fired for the very work that I did. Um, I worked for an organization out of New York. And so it was around HIV. In, in New York, there are like a plethora of services. In, in Mississippi, there were uh, very few services here. And the anger that I had was nobody wanted to talk about HIV in a way that it needed to be talk, talked about. And I got fired because I did a walk in 2008. We walked from Jackson, Mississippi to Oxford, Mississippi, 172 miles in 10 days for the first presidential debate, which was John McCain and President Obama. And because we only had 22 people, that was not enough. They wanted more people, more people living with HIV. And I thought it was a 
it was a success for me and it wasn't good enough for them. So I got tired. I got fired and got tired of getting fired. And I said, you know what? I want to do this and I want to do it the way that I know we can do it for Mississippi. Well, it may not have seemed like a big impact then, but it seems like it was one step to making this a big reality for you. And you guys are doing a lot in the community when it comes to injustice. We're going to hear your name being called. And one of the things I've also heard you say was that we don't live a single issue life because you're an advocate, you know, not just for HIV and AIDS, but for the reproductive justice. There's a lot of things that you are passionate about. So what does that mean to you? So Audre Lorde said it. Uh, we don't live single issue lives. Uh, I was working for an organization, an HIV organization here in Jackson, which was building bridges. And it was the first aid service organization here. And we got funded to work with, with people with HIV. And what was interesting to me was two people came into the office with the same need, but we only could service that one. And so from then I said holistically. And then I started realizing HIV was not people's problems. They had other problems like homelessness, abuse, substance use. And so I just couldn't I didn't feel right just working with the HIV part and not working with the rest of the parts. So we have to work with the whole person. And so that's what made me do the work that I do the way I do it. Wow. And so tell me more about what Mississippi in Action does focus on. Okay. So Mississippi in Action is the first self-proclaimed reproductive justice organization. When I started learning about reproductive justice, I wanted everybody to know what reproductive justice is. The term intersectionality to me is holistic. Uh, we can't deal with one piece of a person and not deal with the other piece of a person. And of course, I was told I was doing too much. And I just felt like this is a human being. These are human beings that we are talking about. These are not pieces of people. These are not numbers, you know, based on funding. And so I just went in and said, hey, let's do this. And we have to work with Mississippi in Action. We are a leadership development organization as well. We create leaders that people won't think of as leaders. Uh, we work in communities. We work with the homeless. It, it's just, we work with humans. And, and that's all I can say about the work that we do. Specifically, we work with the LGBTQ community. We're bridging the gaps. We have a program called Our Liberation Table. Our Liberation Table bridges the gap between Black, cisgender women, and transgender women, and film people, because everybody don't identify as women. Um, we work, we have Brothers in Action. This is the first of its kind. We bring trans men, cisgender men, whether they're straight or gay, into a space and have a conversation. How do we work together? Uh, we have Where's Your Good Judy? Everybody knows Good Judy, honey, <laughs> uh, with black gay men and black women because black gay men are not just objects. You know, they just don't do hair and nails and makeup. And uh, our HIV advocacy piece. And we, that's where we're good at. We've been um, creating leaders to do advocacy that are living with people that are living with HIV. We have um, we have done two things. We helped a bill. We killed a bill that had said that people live with HIV who knowingly and ex willingly expose people to HIV and any other STD had to register as sex, sex offenders. A lot of people didn't understand that, but we already have laws in place that criminalize people with HIV already, right? And so the and Mississippi State Department of Health had a document that said people who, uh, you when they tested positive for HIV, they had to sign off on a document that said that they would not get pregnant, the women would not get pregnant, and the men would not impregnate a woman, which was 
uh, infringing on their reproductive rights. So that form is not in place in the way that it was. And so we're just proud about that. We helped secure $2.5 million for the state Mississippi State Department of Health for our Ryan White program. So we've done a lot just to be a very small organization. Well, that's a lot of work for Mississippi in action. You guys are uh, obviously making a lot of progress. Um, and what more can the community do to, to get involved and aware? Well, for me, I just would like for people to get interested in the political process because our lives are political. Our reproductive lives are political. And, and people don't see the correlation between politics and humanity. Um, I tell people all the time, I say, you know, the little bitty things that they're doing, they're criminalizing to me, in my opinion. They're criminalizing sex and pleasure. We look at how who who you're having sex with, how you're having sex, where you can have sex. Um, it, and it's it's bigger to me. It's much bigger than just these little bills. We have a house bill right now, 1125, that says um, that doctors and parents cannot give their children, trans youth, any services. That's hormones, that's any um, therapy or anything, they will be criminalized for that. And that doesn't make sense to me because, again, it goes back to our abortion movement. Those decisions should be made between the family and the doctor, or just like in abortion movement, the family and the gods of their choice. And so it's, it's too, much too much politics in people's personal lives. And for them to understand how that is impactful, that's how they can learn what's going on. Because if you don't know, you can't fight back. And in particular with that bill, what are you hoping to see uh, happen? Well, I really want them to just kill the bill. Because, again, you're taking away from people's bodily autonomy. That is people's personal decisions. Government should not interfere in people's personal decisions. Now, a really hot word in, in the community is intersectionality. Can you explain uh, to people what that means and why it's important for us to have it in the community? Well, for me, I'm going to tell you, the, the, the term that, um, what's her name, Dr. K Kimberly Crenshaw came up with, I can't tell you that term off the <laughs> top of my head. I really can't. So go Google that. Um, but intersectionality to me is still working with the whole per person. You can't take pieces of people and work with if you don't work with them holistically. Um, like our political, how our intersectionality really is how our political and social intertwines with our personal. And so you can't have one without having the other. But I would suggest that people go look up the term intersectionality and get the understanding for themselves. Awesome. Um, and so in Mississippi, uh, obviously, in, in last year, in 2022, Roe v. Wade was overturned, uh, brought a lot of outrage in the state of Mississippi um, and celebration all at the same time. Um, what does this mean to you um, and what are you hoping to see happen? The reality is Mississippi has been living in a post-Roe world for 20 years, over 20 years. We've had one clinic for over 20 years. Where was the anger for Mississippi? Only when Texas, uh, the Senate bill in Texas took effect, people got excited and got anxious and got angry. But in Mississippi, we've had these issues and people would say, well, that's just Mississippi. I don't think that's fair because you have people on the ground that's been doing the work that get no recognition, that's been in the trenches. And um, so for us that does this work, we were expecting it. 
But like I said, we already live in, in this world. Anyway, we went, for, you know, from a 15-week abortion ban to try to get the six-week abortion ban, the personhood. But everything Mississippians have overturned, government has come back and said, hey, we're going to do this the way we want to do it. And people really need to pay attention to that because, again, it goes back to taking away our rights. Our voting rights are already being taken uh, taken away from us. So what other rights are we going to, are, is government going to take from us? Um, now, you're involved in a whole lot, <laughs> you know, uh, from gender to reproductive to Roe versus Wade. What is next for Mississippi in action? Leadership development in, in a way where people who don't look at themselves as leaders. And I tell people, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be knowledgeable of anything. Just know what it is and go for it and be a voice, an advocate. I say advocate because leadership has been taken out of context in a, in a whole different way. So maybe I could just say an advocate and people don't realize they advocate for themselves all the time. I break it down like this. You go in a restaurant, your food's not right. You advocate on your behalf to get your food right. And so just the little nuances, you know, the language is important. But just telling people, hey, you are already your own leader. You're your best advocate and just build on that. So that's where we're going now and making sure community has a safer space. And I say safer because I don't ever say any place is safe because I may say something to offend somebody. So we try to make the spaces that we're in safer for uh, people, people of LGBTQ, uh, people living with HIV, substance user, homeless people. We take everybody in because we understand people are human before they're anything else. Awesome. Well, this is Women's History Month. And so we want to know uh, what woman uh, inspires you and motivates you? Annie Lou Hamer. And right. why? Because she was not formally educated like myself, uh, but she got things done. In this work, people feel like if you don't have all these degrees and titles, you're nobody. You're nothing. And I, I've been saying that, oh, well, you get the people in people in the street where we can't. But it takes all of us. And so Fannie Lou did what she had to do. And I would say this and I've said it before. I will spill. I will lose blood for what I believe in. And I tell people, if you're not willing to lose your life for what you believe in, you don't believe in anything. And I know it sounds crazy, but hey, I stand by what I say and I stand alone a lot of the time. And Valencia, what type of legacy are you hoping to leave behind? Anybody can do it. Just just pretty much just do it. I have a um, a colleague and a friend in New, uh, New Orleans. Her name is Dion Haywood. Dion Haywood said something to me that was so profound and it stuck to me. You have your Ph.D. in your lived experiences. So when I sit in spaces with people with degrees and I introduce myself, I, Valencia Robinson, Ph.D., in my lived experiences. And so that's what I want people to take. Their lived experiences are just as important as people with degrees. That's very powerful. Very powerful. Well, Valencia, uh, if people want to get more involved um, with Mississippi in action or in the community, uh, tell us how they can do that. Well, they can go to our website. It is www.msin.com action action.com and visit the website and just leave us a comment. They can find me on Facebook, Valencia Robinson, and they can find us on Facebook as well. Mississippi in action spelled out. Valencia, tell me more about the social economic uh, barriers um, to abortion. 
Well, it's forcing people to have, and I say people because, again, our people don't identify as women who, and we have trans men who have babies, too. So pregnant people, you're forcing them into a situation that's dire to them. They may, can, they may not be able to afford another child. Uh, it's taken away from them being at work because, we don't, you know, you only, I've worked for six weeks. And um, so just it's putting a lot on families that shouldn't be placed on families. And government, again, government shouldn't be allowed to do that. You're taking away from a mother being at home, a pregnant person being at home, being able to, you know, we have some people who work from home. Um, you have people who are working at the, at the job. And most, a lot of, I don't know the statistics, and I really would like to look that up, how black women are dying a year after birth, giving birth. And so just that is a very strenuous uh, impact economically being forced to provide. If I had to decide, what do I have to pay gas, get gas or feed my children? Do I get medication or pay rent? And that shouldn't be that those barriers shouldn't be there based on the based on the fact that we banned abortions. And it's also difficult to get people to locations in different states that have uh, abortion still legal. We have to think about transportation. Some states have 24 hour waiting periods. So that's hotels, that's food, that's travel. So um, that's a lot on, on a, a family. And reproductive rights is more than just abortions, right? Correct. It is. Reproductive rights more than just abortion is access to contraceptives. Everybody doesn't use contraceptives for birth control. Um, we have medical issues. We have people who have endometriosis that may have to take uh, birth control for different reasons. You have people who, like myself, we have my hormones are off whack. So, you know, people are giving uh, birth control as to, to alleviate your hormonal disorders. So people should stop thinking that birth control or contraceptives that's what they're used for. And and we have people who have lack of education around birth control. People, Some people think birth control is um, the abortion pill. And it's no, it stops the it stops the birth. It doesn't terminate a birth. So just getting the education out here is important as well. What other type of barriers uh, do you feel women are uh, feeling in terms of their reproductive rights? Now, a lot of people are not talking about this, but criminalization. Uh, we have legislators talking about, is this a legitimate miscarriage or a suspicious miscarriage? And it's it's crazy that if you don't know how our bodies work, sometimes we have natural miscarriages. Most times we have natural miscarriages, but to sit around and try to criminalize a miscarriage makes no sense. And we're not doing a deeper dive around criminalization in that way. And um, it's big, it's so much more than just you know, I can't get an abortion. I have to think about being criminalized if they think this is a that I took something to aid in a miscarriage. So it's it's like I said, we have to think outside of the box. Another thing is, where do I go get uh, an abortion? So that information and like in Alabama, a person cannot talk, tell a person where to get an abortion in Alabama. The person has to be outside the state to tell them where to go uh, access an abortion. So the biggest thing for me right now is criminal, criminalizing something that shouldn't even government shouldn't have any say over. And what is Mississippi in action doing uh, to make sure um, the community has access to this education? 
And to be honest with you, because we don't know what the laws are like, we are very discreet and we we just try to take care and make sure our people are safe before um, we give out any information. And you speak of education. What are you hoping to see in the school systems um, change? Uh, what type of changes are you looking to see in, in Mississippi when it comes to the school systems? Oh, comprehensive sex education, medical accurate med- education that these young folks can use. But also when I talk about education, I'm talking about education in the community because we have adults that are not educated. We have adults that don't know their body parts just as well. So how do you expect adults to talk to children when they don't know? So just getting the whole community, the education and knowledge that they need so they'll feel comfortable having conversations with their family, friends and loved ones. And do you feel like there should be more access within the school system or would you like to see that more in more community um, programs for school aid children? I think it should be both. Uh, the school can only go so far. And I think most of the information should come from come from um, the family. But also, again, I know that some people aren't educated enough. And and when I say educated enough, I'm talking about on their reproductive health to talk to have that discussion. Some people are very uncomfortable having a conversation about sex. And so just that breaking that down, getting people comfortable with themselves to be able to have these conversations. And how important do you think it is for folks to stay engaged in this on, on this issue? It's very important because things change. Language change. When I first started talking about LGBTQ, it was LGBTQ. And it's LGBTQIA plus LGBTQ two spirited. It's so it's so much. So we have to be knowledgeable every, just every day. We have to learn because every day it's something different. Non-binary. When I first heard about non-binary, I was like, what is non-binary? What is that? It was gender non-conforming. So it's important to stay educated and get this knowledge daily because things change. Now here in Mississippi, uh, a lot of people are not exposed to a lot of people uh, from the LBGTQIA plus community. Um, so how do how how are you hoping that people can get more comfortable being in the same room and things like that with uh, mixed communities? That's funny. They're exposed to people every day. They may not know it. And, and that's another thing. People shouldn't have to wear flags and say, this is who I am. This is who I am. I don't take away anybody's identity. But a lot of folks, that is not their primary identity. I'm a black woman before I'm anything else. And so um, just realize that helping people realize that that no matter who I sleep with and how I sleep with them, that's not the biggest piece of me. Respect me as a person. And so that's how I, I just want people to do when people are in spaces. But I know, you know, seeing a trans person like is that a man or a woman? I get that all the time. That's a board game. Well, if they with you, I have to question them. And that doesn't know. We have to we don't we don't question. We just treat people equally. And I know that sounds crazy, especially when we don't have equality when it comes to race. So how do we have equality when it comes to LGBTQIA plus just treat people like human? That's that's the biggest thing that I ask folks to do. And are you seeing in the workforce that uh, trans people are having a hard time um, keeping a job or even getting a job? Yes, yes, yes. Um, They are because, well, we can't work with you or you you're not the person for us. And given the fact that Mississippi does discriminate based on our religious belief, they don't have to hire people. And also Mississippi is an at will state. So 
we could they, they, we could not hire people if we don't want to. Um, it's just again, that's also an impact on people's economic uh, development and well-being. If I can't work, what else do I do? And then you know we say a lot of trans folks they they look at sex work as a form of income. But if that's the way they have to survive, it's survival more so than anything else. Um, so the discrimination is real. We've talked to people who's been discriminated against. I don't want you working in the daycare center. You're a man with the bathroom bills. Like you don't go to the bathroom. You might rape uh, somebody. You may take advantage of a person. And I tell people just because a person is LGBTQ does not mean they're pedophiles. It's a different. And how frustrating is is it to hear someone say something that feels so outrageous. It's very frustrating. But again, we don't know. So we 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 fear what we don't know. And because we are in the Bible Belt, religion is big. And so, you know, God didn't do that. God didn't say this. This is not what the Bible says. But I tell people but what it what the Bible does say is love your neighbors as yourself. And so you have to love yourself in order to love the next person. And what is your biggest hope to see here in Mississippi? Erase a lot of the stigma. The stigmas of Mississippi itself. We, Mississippi is stigmatized. Um, we're first in everything bad and last in everything good. But what I would love to see is for people, we say we're a hospitality state. Be hospitable to everybody and just treat people with kindness and love. That's that's the biggest thing I want. When you said you started this organization out of anger, mm-hmm. if you could look back at yourself when you first started this, what would you tell yourself? Girl, get you a foundation first. Stop getting out here getting this work done because I've done the work. And we have to be honest. A lot of people start nonprofits out of a need. I didn't know how to run a business. But I knew how to go out here in community and fight for the rights of not just other people, myself. I'm a black woman. I live in Mississippi. So that's what I tell I would tell myself. Look, you know, it's going to be hard, but get you a solid foundation first and go forward. Awesome. And then um, if there is another young lady out there that wanted to start a foundation, uh, what would you tell her? It's going to be hard. And you're going to find yourself alone a lot of times, especially when you're talking about topics that are not safe topics. Um, Just stand up, be firm, never lose who you are, no matter what the circumstances are. Be true to yourself and you're going to get it done. Thank you so much. Well, that's our show. I hope you have enjoyed this interview of Valencia Robinson of Mississippi in Action. We want to give a special thank you to Oxfam for sponsoring this special series, highlighting this group of women making a big impact in our community. Now, listen, we want to stay connected with you. So be sure to follow us on all social media platforms. That's at Dirty Napkins. You see it down there at Dirty Napkins. Well, that's my time. It's your host, Lauren Nicole. 
Hello, you guys. This podcast is sponsored by Mama Nature's Juice Bar, the number one juice bar brand in Mississippi and in the Southern region. Stop by either three locations where they're serving juices, smoothies, acai bowls, and some tasty toast. So we look to see you at the juice bar. Look forward to juicing you up. Follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Mama Natures. Today, we've been supplied some beaded juice, beet, apple, and ginger. Mm, 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 mm. I must say, it is rejuvenating and delicious. Stop by and see Mama Natures today.